I've got a good fun fact episode. for you too. Oh, come on, oh, I've just <laughs> you've, you've just jumped oh. right in there. You've you've uh, you just going this isn't live, right? It is, yeah, but that's okay. We oh. can we'll run with it as it is. That's fine. We won't even try and edit it out because that's half the fun. Oh, well, in case you haven't all realised, welcome to another episode of the of the Tiger Cast. Back and I just getting some stuff sorted between ourselves. Um, I'm back on board after Rodney Dangerfield did a fantastic job of uh, taking the reins for a few weeks along with Wacko. So this is a, a world record streak for you, mate. This is what third week in a row. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's um, it's going to be a different mix uh with the uh the voices this week not having um the handsome and chiseled voice of rodney dangerfield in there he was but, very good um, rodney i think he didn't give himself should, enough should be credit. able to get through yeah we, we'll, we'll bluff our way through it but no good to be back on board and good to see the the tigers are still winning um our other guest for tonight is first time on the show toby welcome to the show mate uh, cheers for having me on religious listener oh very good right we like that. All right, uh, Wacker, you said you had a fun fact about yourself because you didn't give us much in the PM. What was your fun fact about yourself? Well, I reckon I'm going to be the first person to be on the Big Footy Tiger cast while couch surfing in Perth. Yeah, that's fair enough. You probably would be the first. So whereabouts in Perth are you? I, I don't even know how to pronounce it. I think it's Girrawing. It's um in the northern suburbs. It's about 20 minutes out of the city. Right, and so are you over there for work or something, are you? Or? We'll call it that. We'll call it that. It's, okay. a, it's, a, it's a business slash pleasure trip with a football game. I was going to say, you're obviously um, ducking down to the Optus Stadium, whatever it's called, to watch the game, I assume. Absolutely. Very uh, excited. You can report back on the uh, food pricing there because apparently it's pretty extravagant, even compared to Eddie had. I'm going to just take my own ham and cheese sandwich, mate. Gone old school. <laughs> no, I'll give you a good review next week. Sounds good. And Toby, the fun fact you sent through to me: so you, you won third in the league best and fairest in junior footy, and you were given the first place trophy accidentally. Please tell me you didn't say anything; you just ran away with it. Well, that year was weird because there was an equal third, so there was two third trophies and an equal first, so two first trophies. I can't remember how it went down, but somehow I ended up with the first trophy for two weeks, and then I had to hand it back at the grand final. Oh, spewing. Oh, spewing. <laughs> yeah, not happy. No, no, that would have been good if you could have been able to hold on to it. And the, the other fun fact you had for us was that uh, you've been paid to play two different video games in the past. How did that all come about? Um, it came about by neglecting my studies in school and playing video games to a high level they it was, it was before the time that esports or whatever you want to call it uh became popular and like more professional so it was just chump change and like affairs to and entries to different tournaments in victoria so not paid too much but technically still paid to play living the dream that's everyone would yep. love to be able to do that I often, even some of my mates, like we play a bit online and we often try and think up of outlandish ways how we could try and squeeze ourselves into an esports kind of thing because, like, how good would it be just to be paid to play video games? Like, it would be something we would probably excel at. But no, that's, um, that's, that's very cool. Well, hopefully, you can try and get back into it now that esports is actually taking off. Yeah. 
All right, we'll jump straight into it. We'll uh, kick off with the roast and toast for the week. Uh, Toby, I'll start with you first. You've got the toast for this week. What have you got for us? I have a few toasts, just short ones. Josh Caddy coming over from Geelong to play more midfield minutes. Has to get stuck playing forward, and boy, is he killing it. He's averaging 2.7 goals per game and 19 disposals, which is a fair effort. Another toast to Cochin. Not really sure anything else needs to be said about his game on the weekend. Lambert, after a slow a uh, slow start to the season with the average first two weeks, he's back to his best. And another one is a toast to Ben Brown's last quarter, missing <laughs> his two crucial shots to the old, secure the, old, the win. The old backhand toast, I like it. Yep. <laughs> with, with the caddy one, that's spot on. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect when he first came over, and I've got a, a good yeah. he's a Geelong supporter, and he he always thought Caddy could be a good player, but never felt like he reached that potential at Geelong. And now he can't believe what he sees when Caddy plays for us. Yeah, it's like Townsend came in as a midfielder and he didn't really make it at all. Like, he just got stuck in the VFL. So I was really hoping that it wouldn't be another case of that. And it hasn't become a case of that. He's absolutely killing it. Even just that mark in the last quarter... When um, I think he was in between two plays, and it looked like he did his knee the way he landed. It was horrific. But to take that yeah. mark in a clutch moment, go back and kick the goal and to really keep the, the game alive for us, he's just stepped up big time. Yeah. And uh, Wacko, you've got the roast this week. What have you got for us? I've got one and a half roasts for you. Okay. Um, the first the first roast is Eddie Head Stadium. Because it's it's just a um, uh, a crap hole of a, a place to play and sit as a spectator. The food sucks, the prices suck, the location sucks, the crowd sucks. It, it there's nothing good to say about it. Um, that's pretty bland. And the second one is I'm not sure if it's a roast or a toast, but it's to uh, Wacko Twenty Three Jacko for managing to have a 16 game membership and only go to one game at Eddie Head Stadium in the last five years. In five years? Wow. That, yeah, that's pretty, I, I, that's some, pretty impressive. Somehow I um, I managed to... It, there's always something on... And normally it'd be something that I'd be like, ooh, I don't know if I want to do this this weekend because I've got a footy game to go to. But every time it's at Eddie Head, I just sort of go, oh, beauty, that's on the weekend that we play North Melbourne or St Kilda at Eddie Head. Yeah. I'm definitely going to that. So... Uh, yeah, roast me for being a bad fan and toast me for avoiding Eddie Head. <laughs> no, I think that's fair enough. I'll toast it. Speaking of Eddie Head, I, uh, we were talking about the fixture at work today and we come to, to the realisation that we play Sydney at Eddie Head, I think, first game back after the bye. Why, yeah. why are we playing the Swans there? They've got a lot it's of rubbish. supporters as old South Melbourne people down here. I, I just can't understand why we wouldn't play uh, a lesser like interstate team at Eddie had as their home game. That's just got me completely baffled. Well, they want us to lose. Well, there's that as well. Yeah, that's yeah. we don't really play that ground overly well. But, yeah, I just thought of all teams to put us there against, that that was just a really odd choice. But, um, yeah, I suppose it's the, the AFL in all of their wisdom. 
we'll go on to the, the review of the round eight game versus North Melbourne. So Richmond 12-10-82 defeated North Melbourne 11-6-72 by 10 points to reclaim first place on the ladder, which has a, a nice little sound to it. And I didn't think I'd be saying it at this time of the year, but glad I am. Um, Toby, I'll start with you. Where did you think the game was won and lost on the weekend? Um, well, it's just a quick one where the game was almost lost. It was when Edwards decided to handball over the top in the goal square, and then that just shifted momentum a little bit, and we conceded two goals. But other than that, uh, Richmond does really well. Like we, we heard all about how our back line would be able to match up against the big Ben Brown, Jared Waite, Zeebel, and Mason Wood. And we only conceded five marks inside 50, I'm pretty sure which is a fair effort for that, although they did get a few frees in the forward line. And then for our small, medium, versatile forward line, we managed to score 12 inside 50s, which a lot of our inside 50s are also chips from the inside 50 to another person in a better position in the inside 50. So it was just our efficiency in getting good shots on goals like really helps us, even if we do struggle with goal kicking. Jack Higgins... Um, and another one is our midfield depth. Ben Jacobs sacrificed his own role or his own game to limit Dustin Martin, which he did, but Dustin Martin still had a better overall game than Ben Jacobs is the thing. And with Dusty getting stopped, Cochin, Lambert, Caddy, Conker, Lloyd, and even Graham, they all played really well and stepped up in Dusty's absence. Yeah, and to your first point about the inside 50 marks, I that was a stat that stood out for me as well, given their marking power up forward. That was probably one of my concerns heading into the game, that they would generate a few of those marks inside 50. So that the boys did do very well to restrict that. Um, and Dusty, I know we've said it probably every week for the last few weeks, but he has to be carrying something. Uh, he just doesn't seem like his normal self. And Jacobs did a fantastic job. So that's not taking anything away from him at all. Yeah. But yeah. Dusty's just, he seems very limited in his power and ability to burst away. Um, but it feels like it's one of those injuries that obviously can't get any worse by playing. So hence why he's still playing, but it's just, it will go away in time. But I felt like he didn't do a lot for the first three quarters, but his um, influence in the last quarter was really good. Like that tap down to Cochin. Uh, the past to caddy and whatnot, so he, he stepped up when he needed to, which was good. That's, yeah, Dusty um, in so. the last quarter, uh, Dusty in the last quarter, three goal assists, I'm pretty sure, and that just helped seal it. He was like, it was like he was bored of the game being close. When you um tag it, tag a bloke like that, and you've got a player that's spending the whole game being negative, you know, um. It, all Dusty has to do is what he did in the game, and that's in the end there when we needed somebody to stand up. You know, he set up some goals and made some plays that helped us win the game. And if Jacobs has spent the whole game, you know, trying to shut him down and not really having an offensive impact, if Dusty still does those few things, I, th- I think that's a win. It's not, you know, his Brownlow winning best, but he still had a positive influence on the game. Yeah, yeah, and on on being negative and not being like offensive, Cunnington for all his disposals and contested possessions, a, a record yes, and bloody I wish we had someone that was like that. We did have Cochin, but 
For all his possessions and contested possessions, he had one score involvement, zero goal assists. Jacobs, one score involvement. Higgins, three score involvements. And, yeah, so zero, zero goal assists between them. Uh, Lambert had six score involvements, three goals of his own. Caddy, nine score involvements, four goals of his own. And Conker, six score involvements. So, it's like, a good their point. midfield was just not serving their forwards, like, very well. Well, it's hard to get score involvements when half your score comes from free kicks too. That's exactly. another thing. <laughs> but even though the Cunnington one, like he was obviously getting a bucket load of the ball, and I was sort of sitting there yeah, thinking, exactly. is there must be a specific reason why we didn't try and shut him down because no one really tried to put a close check on him, so he didn't get the clearances. But it, it could be as simple as that because when he kicked it forward, often it was just a blasted kick that we ended up turning over. So it didn't really seem like much of an issue because we could reload from that next possession. And we had Cotchin yeah. running around tearing it up. Yeah, no. we, we just we just no. prey on turnovers a lot. So I guess we set up in a position to make the most of him getting like really contested possessions and having to get it out under heat. Because a lot of the times he got tackled and his hands were free. And he got a lot of them away, but he also uh, turned it over a lot. Yeah, he definitely did. Um, Wacko, what about things we need to improve on? Is there anything that really stands out to you that we need to knuckle down on um, coming into a tougher stretch of games shortly? Um, two things, I think, in the harder games that are going to maybe stop us dropping games is definitely goal kicking and just some of the disciplinary stuff. Um, I know that Dim has come out and said that he's okay with um, giving away the free kicks um, because it it's just, you know, part of the process and he'd rather they go in, for, you know, giving their all and give away free than let them get an easy one. Um, but I think that can hurt you sometimes like some of those arm chops in defence and stuff. Um, admittedly, the umpiring's been kind of questionable and inconsistent, but we might have to be more careful against some of the better teams. I feel like we give away a lot of unnecessary free kicks when we've got a two-on-one in our favour. Like It just yeah. frustrates me when we're probably going to win especially. the ball back. Yeah, we're going to win the ball on a two-on-one contest just by applying normal body pressure to the opposition player there's no need to give away stupid free kick when you've got the extra number but we seem to do it a lot mm. and that that actually frustrated me a few times um watching the game um when it was close you know a couple of those ben brown ones and stuff um some of them were well and truly deserved and it was cases where you know there was a play that was easily going to nullify the contest or they weren't even close it's the same thing that some of our forwards do um you know, going up for marks and making unrealistic attempts. I think Jason Castagna had one when our player is in front and going to mark the ball anyway, and they feel the need to jump up on a guy two metres behind the contest. Yeah, I think we cost ourselves two set shots at goal from about 30 metres because of that. Mm-hmm. Like, our player took the mark, was never really not going to take the mark. Um, but yeah, we've done like a, a hold behind play, or like you said, try to jump over everyone. And so why give why give up possession when there's no need to? I don't. It just it does. It's very frustrating to see that happen. Yeah, it is, it is part of our game plan, but I think yeah, we we got to be that, more careful. Yeah, I think it's better to like because from where Jason Castagna's 
going. Like he, he just sees the ball and he goes to run off. He doesn't, he can't see everything that we see from the stands or our seats on the couch. So he's just trying to go in there and create a contest, I think. And sometimes he might not get there yet, but at least he's doing it. That's like a fair you point see, too. See Joe Danaher and he, like he had a lot of criticism about him not crashing packs, but it was found out that he was carrying a injury that would set him back but it just wasn't being physical enough and we have a dude who's like 180 or something 180 centimeters creating contests and like bringing the ball down against key key position defenders yeah he's still doing a good job you're right though i suppose he can't see i I understand it's frustrating yeah i reckon the only thing that stands out for me um probably that makes it feel a little worse than it is is just the fact that our whole game plan is based off trusting the next bloke to do his job and it's kind of a bit counterintuitive to see blokes going up for the same ball like that because generally you know the players are willing to give their all in a tackle or whatever knowing that there's another bloke waiting there to you know receive the handball or take the next tackle or do whatever needs to be done yeah definitely and before we move on to the first topic, uh, Toby, you mentioned a few of the standout players in your toast at the start of the show. Uh, the one player I'm not, I think you did mention that I want to sort of give a bit of a pat on the back to is Nick Floston. I thought he played a, a sensational game on the weekend, just cutting everything off, and it just sort of really stands out when we don't have him in the team due to injury or, or whatever it might be. But his importance down back is just immense. Yeah, well... well, well. We'll probably touch on this a little bit later, but Vlosten, he's, I don't know, he's just a star. Like, intercepting, going hard at the ball, rarely loses his one-on-ones. And the best thing about Richmond's defense at the moment is you can apply that to every single person in our back line. Like, uh, safe to say we have the best back seven in the league. And... Nick Vlosten is just, it, it's its hard to put in, like, it's hard to say what he does for the team. Like, it's just immense. It is, and I think it his is, performance think... this year has completely put to, to rest the thoughts of trying to put him in the midfield. He His role is just that general sweeper down back. It is, that's where he's best fitted. Yeah, definitely. Like, in the midfield, we don't necessarily need him there, and just in his defence... He's just that much of a better player in defense than midfield and makes everyone around him better. Yeah, definitely agree. All right, we'll push on to the first topic of the night. And it's not necessarily Richmond-based, but it's still fairly prominent in the the game. It's the MRP or the MRO now, whatever they're called, and the state of the game. It's been a bit of a bugbear, I suppose, for everyone over the last few years. And I think we all thought we were going to see a bit more consistency with the new system this year but I don't think we're getting that uh, at the moment. Wacko, I know you've got a few thoughts on the MRP and how it's going. What are you What are you thinking of it all? Don't get me started on state of the game again, but in regards to the MRP, um, I really believe that now instead of a panel of people uh, being criticised for making inconsistent Decisions Now, the AFL only has to tarnish one name per season, and they'll probably just go through and change the bloke in charge of the decision-making process every year so that there's a clean slate. Um, and I don't think 
it's really gotten that much better, to be honest. The Brownlow favourites are still getting away with stuff. There's similar incidents that are being ruled completely differently. It's a real toss of the coin. Yeah, the one that stands out for me that I suppose is Richmond-related is Jack Graham obviously got one week for elbowing Zorko, which was fair enough. You, you don't want to condone that action in a game of football. But then to have the following week Tom Mitchell elbow Goldstein, um, and when you look at the height difference, he had to show more intent to do it because he had to raise his arm up high to hit him in the head. And it was like 30 mm. metres off the ball, and he gets away with a fine. I couldn't make any sense of that one. The reason it was a fine is because I think they, it was negligible contact or like impact kind of thing. So it was just classed as misconduct, whereas Jack Graham's was classified as a low impact intentional strike. That means it's one week instead of a fine. But like I understand that it could it could have been like really low impact the Tom Mitchell one, but if you think about it. It's a dangerous act, elbowing someone in the head. It's intentional. It was off the ball and not in play. And he's just lucky that the MRP or MRO isn't that great of a system. But what I don't get... otherwise, I'd like to see him get one week. Like, even if that was their reasoning about the different levels or whatever, I don't understand how, because both uh, Zorko and Goldstein, neither of them come off injured. They both carried on the game as per normal. Um, and if anything, I felt that Mitchell's was worse because it wasn't in the play. Not that we condone what Jack Graham did, but at Looked least worse. it was in the contest kind of thing. Like yeah. it was, yeah, you, could, you don't want to see it happen, but it wasn't like he was just running past him 30 metres off the ball and raised his arm and elbowed him in the head. So I, for me, I felt the intent was worse for Mitchell, but the impact I thought was the same for both. So that's why I was a bit shocked that they ruled it that way. But it sends a, a bad message to the junior levels as well that, okay, so we're not allowed to do it in the act of tackling, which is fine, but we're now apparently okay to do it off the ball. Yeah. It's just like the umpiring, though. They've got a get-out clause, you know, all the time to make it down to interpretation, like the impact for one um, and also the intent, like, because every, anything like that is intentional, um, that, like... It's a similar argument that we had with the whole. Oh, I think uh, Wacko's just dropped out there. Were you still yeah. there, too? Uh, you back with us, Wacko? Uh, I, I could hear him all the time. I'm still with us. Okay, it dropped out okay. temporarily for, for a few seconds. What was that last bit? You saying with the basher thing? Um, like the the intent, it's the categories aren't defined enough. Like. Intentional covers a great stretch of ground, and the fact that you can classify things, you know, with insufficient force to warrant a suspension. But how can you classify the force, like to differentiate two players not getting hurt by a strike? Well, how do you measure the force? There's nobody out there measuring the physics of the clash. You know what I mean? Yeah, and to it's, me, that's the fundamental flaw. Yeah, and that's the flaw with the system that it's based on outcome when it should solely be based on intent. Because just because you try to hit someone with an elbow, but you don't hurt them, doesn't mean you shouldn't get a week. Because it's the fact you were trying to do it should be enough to get you suspended. And that's where the biggest issue in the system is. Can I just uh, uh, ask, what happened with Fife? I haven't seen anything about uh, that knee that knocked out. Nothing. Uh, anything as well? See, no, 
Nothing. It, when, I don't, I don't even think there was a fine. I don't. I don't think it should be a suspension personally because it's too hard to say it was completely intentional or whatever. But the way that they grade things based on the outcome, if a bloke's getting knocked out by an action that was preventable, you know, it's kind of hard to draw a line. What's the difference between that and previous incidents where people have been concussed or injured by a bump which didn't go anywhere near their head or, you know... We look like just, it's Josh Caddy trying to spoil the ball. Yeah, it's a mess. Yeah, there's another issue that I'd like to touch on was the Sanderlands bump on Jared Lyons earlier in the year. He he was running past... Jared Lyons was maybe like five metres ahead of his teammate who had the ball and was kicking the ball. Sanderlands runs in from the side, bumps him, cops him in the head, I'm pretty sure, and Jared Lyons is on the ground in the arms of trainers for a little bit, then gets up. Sandlands was off the ball. He chose to bump, hit him in the head, and that was classed as careless conduct, low impact to the head, and he got a fine of that. So I just want to know how it was careless if he chose to bump because they, in in, in Jack Graham's tribunal hearing, I, they kept on saying, that, uh, trying to fight that it was careless, the Richmond people, but they always said it was intentional because he intended to like hit him and apply pressure. That's mm. what Richmond was saying. They kept on saying it was intentional because he he intended to do that. And I just don't get how it was like Sandlands intended to bump, but it was careless conduct. Yeah, it, it makes no yep. sense how they grade that because you're right. If you choose the bump, that's intent to do that. It, there's no other and way the to ball, describe but... that. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And then even the ones tonight, obviously um, Tom Hawkins got a week last week for making contact with an umpire. Um, was it Steve May? I think it was from Gold Coast. Had his go to tribunal. He got off because they said they deemed it was um, like incidental. I, I don't know. I'm a bit sus than that. He leant forward. I know he was trying to show what the free, what the contact was, but he still leant forward into the umpire. Like he, he, he knew where he was standing. He didn't have to do that. Uh, and I'm not sure what the outcome of the Kerno boys were for their one. I'm sure that might be tomorrow night or something. But it just seems odd that if you set a precedent and then things change the next week, like how do you, how are we all meant to know what's going on? I think they screwed it a little because Tom Hawkins, he was, it was like a heated kind of thing. And he was like kind of aggressive, like smacking his hand away. And they only gave that one week. Whereas Maze, I think Maze was a little... It wasn't as bad as Tom Hawkins, but if they gave it a week just like they gave Tom Hawkins, it would just be like, uh, where's where's the line? Like, it's just like a huge range of, like, thing. I reckon they would have had to have given Tom Hawkins two or three weeks to be able to give Sam May one week. So I think they just screwed themselves because they probably didn't expect players to touch the umpires again, and it happened three times this week or whatever. Yeah, it's... Probably right, but I suppose when they came out with their findings for the Hawkins one, they didn't really talk about the way the contact was made. It was just, we don't want any players making contact with umpires, and that's what it felt like it was based on. But then, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think they would have expected it to happen three times the following week either. But, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens with the um, the Kernos ones, if they get a suspension or not. But I think they just really need to change some of their interpretations of how it plays out. It needs to just be all about intent, not about outcome. And until they do that, there's going to be a lot of inconsistencies for the MRP. 
Yeah, definitely. The outcome does matter a little with like impact and stuff, but it shouldn't have the impact that it does like at the moment. Like if a dude gets concussed from just a little thing because heads are really fragile things, brains are fragile things, then it can be like classified as high impact kind of thing. See, I reckon rather the, than a see, I reckon the, the outcome should only the outcome should come into only play for intentional action. So if you choose yeah, the bump yeah. and you knock someone out, then you get more than what you do if you choose the bump, hit them in the head, but thankfully they're okay. If it's just a football act and they accidentally get knocked out, like you said, the outcome should play no part in that at all. It should only be as an additional punishment for any intentional acts that are outside the rules of the game. Yeah, something like that would be great. Anyway, I'm sure we could make a whole episode on that. Um, the, the next topic we'll go on to is Tom Lynch is a possible destination for Richmond. Uh, I had the, the privilege of talking to Tiger71 before I come on to air with you blokes, and I'll upload his episode shortly. But there's obviously been a lot of talk in the media about Tom Lynch potentially coming to Richmond. Uh, Wacko, what, what are your initial thoughts on the potential of Tom Lynch coming across? Great. Yep, that's short and sweet and to the point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, nah, well, I mean, if we can afford him and the club thinks that he'll be a good fit and they do their due diligence, I would love to have him there. And I think the rest of the competition would hate it. So I don't see it being a bad thing in any way at all. And Toby, do you think it has the potential to upset the balance that we've created with the small forwards? Or do you think that we'll find you know, the proper way to adapt having two key forwards again? Well, I think it's kind of like, I don't see it being that harmful, but I can see it like potentially being harmful. Like Townsend is possibly the person who makes way for Lynch. And Townsend's role is to like negate their, one of their defenders kind of thing. But having Lynch who could like negate the defenders by being a 200 centimetre marking star that's like a similar role. We do lose Townsend's hard edge, which I absolutely love him for. But yeah, uh, having a, having Tom Lynch be able to take the best defender and Jack move into like a more a medium forwards role, which he is bloody brilliant at, because he, he 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 can deliver the ball inside fifty amazingly. So I can only see that as being a good thing. And Tom Lynch can get up in the field as well. So. Now, Tiger said everyone had a theory on this, and I'll say it on this one because his episode's being uploaded first, so I'm not spoiling it for anyone. But his theory was that the club, like he knows the club's been working on this for a while, and Jack Rewalt's game has changed drastically the last few years, so he has been pushing up the ground, delivering forward. He reckons it could have been in preparation for the potential that he was going to be delivering it to someone else at some point. Do you reckon there's any merit in that? I'm not sure... Like, if that, that's bloody 200 IQ stuff from Richmond, if, if that was the plan. But I agree with what they're doing, if that's the case. Definitely. And, Wacko, do you if reckon... Mr. Mr. Oh, if, if Mr. Tiger Magic 71 reckons that that's it, I'd trust him. Same. You'll, uh, you'll thoroughly enjoy the episode that I post up then. Um, do you think, Wacko, that the club would consult with the playing group before making this kind of big move, given the dynamics of the team now and what it would change it to? Is it something that you would involve the playing group in, or do you think that they just need to sort of suck it up and, and cop whatever comes their way in terms of bringing in players because it's what's mm-hmm. best for the club? 
I'm under the impression that the club have talked about this and also conversations around Dustin Martin last year and listening to players talk about it. They are perfectly aware and understand the situation, I think. They seem to have a pretty good level head from all things I've heard. You know, players coming out and saying, we understand, you know, we love having Dusty in our team, and if that's what it takes to keep him there, you know, whatever. I personally think it's more of a the culture that they, they'll back the management to make the decision because they trust them. So uh, yeah, I can't see it being a big issue. And I suppose the only issue, that, and I raised this in the thread uh, more as a discussion point, I still think it's got a little, it's a little bit valid, but um, will it upset the, the bonding and the chemistry and given our whole team defensive mindset, will Lynch still be able to bring that to the team, being obviously a lot taller? I know he's very mobile, but uh, like you said, Toby, that we'd probably have to sacrifice someone like a Townsend. How does that potentially disrupt the rest of the game plan? Well, I think I'd, it, I'd just like yeah. to add a little on the on the previous question, like consulting the players. We're lucky that we have uh, Caddy and Prestia, who they could potentially like consult, because like you get an inside view on what that player was like. Although Lynch was young when they were together, so yeah, I just wanted to add that. Marco, you were going to mention something about the mindset of the um, playing group. Yeah, I was, wasn't I? Um, I I think what we've discussed, if you take Townsend out of the team, we lose his hardness and edge and ferocity around the football. He brings fear to the opposition defenders um, in a certain way. But I think having Lynch as a target in our forward line is going to make them shit their pants just as much, but in a different way. And I think it's also going to create just as many contests. And I think rather than having Townsend having to be such a good aggressive tackler and good at second efforts, Tom Lynch is going to get a hell of a lot more marks and balls that he can dominate than Townsend would. And I think that it will counterbalance and outweigh the negatives. So it's almost just... thinking it'll be the same amount of fear, but applied in a different way. It's just evolution, mate. Evolution. That's how you stay on top. That's how you win. That's how you win, and we are winners now. All right, well, that could be something very exciting to look forward to. Well, uh, we'll push on to the preview of the Round 9 game versus West Coast. Massive game, first versus second and ladder, after the Eagles knocked off GWS last week, and we obviously knocked off the Kangaroos. Uh, the beauty of this game for both teams, I guess, is we're two games clear of third and two and a half games clear of ninth. Um, so pretty much whoever loses this game, the worst case scenario for them is they're still going to be second. And at this point in the season, it's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, for me personally, I think West Coast, um, I, I didn't think they would be in this position at the, before the start of the year. But they've shown some pretty good form. Uh, they're coming off a really good win, got some dangerous forwards. Wacko, what are your thoughts for the, the game against the Eagles this week? I'm looking forward to it, um, especially being here and getting to watch it live. But um, I think West Coast have proved this year, maybe not necessarily put to bed theories, but they've definitely 
shown some strong arguments against them being front runners and um, downhill skiers and have shown that they're capable of playing good footy against decent or good sides. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for the contest, for sure. And Toby, I know we'll speak about individual plays shortly, but the West Coast forward line's pretty talented. They've got some big plays, some strong plays, and some good smalls as well. What do you think we're going to need to do to try and stop them getting on top of us? Oh, yeah, Jack Darling has really, really, really stepped up this year. I think he's third in the Coleman after Josh Kennedy was out for a few weeks. So I think our backline just needs to play their game. They just need to be able to work together and they should be able to stop them. But surprisingly, like you, you wouldn't have thought it like West Coast, the, the, the way that they're playing, you, would, you wouldn't have expected it. And their forward line is just... They got Waterman, Kennedy, Darling, Little Rioli, Cripps, and Lacroix, who are all going really well at the moment. So we'd have to be on our game to be able to stop them. And it's all about us stopping their midfield dominance kind of thing. Because our only game that we've lost this year is to Adelaide, and we got absolutely slaughtered in the mid. So I think our defense is good enough to stop them as long as it's not like death by weight of numbers. The midfield one's an interesting point. Uh, I don't know if you remember Wacko, the last time we played them, I think, when Nick Nat was dominating, we pretty much played a metre or two behind our midfielders and then just tried to let them get the first use, tackle and cause the turnover and go from there. Do you think that's going to be much of the same thing this time around? That's pretty much how we play it, it, this season, especially in the latter half of last year. We've we're happy to let teams get the ball and set up around them, um, knowing that we can shut them down or shut down the next possession. And I think they feel pretty comfortable playing that kind of game. The other thing I did notice against North Melbourne more so is we weren't keeping Toby Nankervis behind the ball as much, um, which it's something we've tended to do, is to mm, slot him in the back half, um, you know, to block that long kick down the line. And I thought North got away with quite a few long kicks out of congestion. Um, That could be something that a team like the Eagles could definitely capitalise on. And I know that's what Adelaide always have done. You know, they'll get that, that kick out and it'll just be like this beautiful, seamless, out of the contest, forward line goal, bang, easy. So I would be afraid with the forward line of their potency of stuff like that happening. Yeah, I think that's a fair call. And um, especially with Nat Nui being as good as he is, I don't think there's there's almost no point in sending Nankervis everywhere with him around the ground to try and compete because we almost have to concede we're not going to win the hitouts. So it might be a good time for him to sit back that kick and a half behind play and just have a second string play go up against him around the ground in the front half and try and halve the contest and rove off him um, because otherwise Nank's just going to be run ragged again. Mm. We'll look at some key matchups now. The first one, I'll start with you, Toby. We've got Kane Lambert versus Andrew Gaff. I, th- I don't know if I changed that from what I sent you guys originally. I may have done so. Um, but yeah. Gaff's, Gaff's been a, a pretty big playmaker for the Eagles this year, and especially with Luke Shuey out. 
he's getting a, a lot more of the ball this year. But Lambert, uh, as you point out at the start of the show, has had a pretty great month of footy. He's hurting teams with his hard running and goal sense. Uh, would you think that's a likely matchup given how much they both run? Do we just let them go head to head and see what happens? I'm not the best when it comes to matchups, so I, I wouldn't have too much input in on this. But Andrew Gaff is a really dangerous player, although Lambert has the the, the runs on him like going forward because Gaff, I think this year hasn't scored too many. Uh, let me just check. Yeah, Gaff, Gaff's only scored four goals this year, whereas Lambert kicked three last game. So yeah, yeah, it's just Gaff's possessions are like really, really valuable for West Coast. So as long as we have someone like making him accountable and not getting too easy possessions, then we should be fine there. I, I think with Gaff, we just have to make him or force him to make kicks that he doesn't want to have to make at that point in time. Just make him rush at that half a second quicker because he's lethal by foot. He sets everything up. So, And Lambert's disciplined enough. Force him to handball. Yeah, or yeah. force him to handball. Because as soon as their team start handballing, we just swarm on them. So Lambert's, I think, disciplined enough to stick to that kind of task. But I think Gaff's the one for them to look out for in terms of setting all up their, um, their attacks. Uh, Wacko, the other player that could come back in for the Eagles is McGovern, who is one of the one of the better backmen in the competition. There's no doubt about it. Uh, his intercept marking is the, his biggest strength. And while we get a lot of inside 50s, it feels like we sort of just dump the ball in there quite a lot, um, which is going to play into the hands of, of McGovern especially. How do you think we combat that? Yeah, that's he's the kind of player that usually has a field day. Um it, it, it it's funny sometimes um you know in the past we'd always get beaten up by teams like that because of the loose man and it would seem like Damien Hardwick never really did anything to combat it and sometimes now he doesn't man them up and sometimes he does it's it's kind of yeah i don't know what it is but it really will depend on our ball use, I think. Um, we've got the players in our forward line that we should be able to make them accountable and match them up. So it's really going to depend if they choose to let them run around loose and if we bomb it in or if we actually man up and um, have a few more players in the forward line. I think that's going to make the difference. We just can't let him have a free run and jump at it. So many times opposition yeah. defenders take uncontested marks when the ball's been kicked like 40 metres in the air, a pack forms. And it's like, how did no one lay body on the bloke to make it spill to ground? Like, it shouldn't always have to be Jack to do it because he gets held and blocked and all kinds of stuff. So as long as we don't let that happen, um, it'll hopefully then end up switching and playing into our hands because when the ball hits the deck, we know we're pretty dangerous. Yeah, just on Jeremy McGovern... Uh, we had Jeremy Howe two weeks ago, who was marking everything, but that game we had Jacob Townsend out, so if Jacob Townsend can keep his spot, which hopefully he does, I'd like to see him at least put some body onto McGovern and make him accountable for whatever marks he tries to go for. Yeah, I reckon that's the, yeah. the yeah. obvious matchup for sure. That's been Townsend's sort of cup of tea, I guess, his specialty with uh with what he's been doing from when he first came into the side really against Fremantle last year just shuts down that, that intercept marker and if he does that well that's going to go a hell of a long way to us being able to to get a winning score 
the other one of their forwards, I mean, you obviously spoke about Kennedy and Darling, but Lacroix is the other one who causes a few headaches. And even young Willie Rioli is new to the team as well. Do we have to put a bit of work into them, do you reckon, Wacko? Lacroix is another player who has a field day against us. I remember him kicking many bags of goals. Um, but I think our defence should be able to cover him now, really, with Broad and Grimes being able to play fast, tall, small, slow. Um, I don't think he's as much of a threat to us anymore, but in saying that, they're going to have to be at the top of their game and they're going to have to make sure they're there to cover each other and do their thing. I think, as Toby mentioned before, they've just got to play their game. All right, look at uh, what possible changes we might have for ourselves. Uh, Toby, any thoughts on who might be in and out for the Tigers this week? Um, that, that That's a really difficult one. Like, it's hard to make a change from a team, but we did have a few underperforming players. But I'd say it's more just if there's anyone coming back from injury, be it Grig or Prestia, who I think someone said Prestia might be two weeks from last week, so he's already missed one. Um... Yeah, just if anyone pulls up Saw or potentially Higgins, maybe, or one of the other small forwards, but I just don't see Butler or Jason getting dropped. One person that I'd like to see come in is yep. Liam Baker. I've been loving watching him play in the VFL. Okay. I haven't I haven't heard much about Baker to be honest. Um what who would he who would he replace? Uh, one one of the small forwards, Higgins probably. Just Liam Baker just has like this hard edge to him kind of thing. For a really, really small bloke, he goes hard at the ball. I'm sort of in the camp that Higgins needs a, a rest, not because he looks tired, but because he can't kick a set shot for goal. And to me, that's a massive, massive no-no. And I know Butler didn't have the greatest of games from an overall perspective last week, but he still kicked his set shot when he needed to. And Higgins has missed every set shot he's had this year. And if it was me personally coaching i'd make him kick 100 set shots a night and he doesn't play again until he kicks 80 of them for five nights of the week we just can't afford to have that um wacko who who do you think mike could come in do you reckon stangle could be a chance to get a game for higgins if that's the way the match committee goes i would definitely be bringing stangle um my only concern if you take higgins out higgins has actually been doing a bit more accumulating of the ball and playing through the middle than the other two. I'm just not sure on the balance. I mean, we know that Castagna and Butler can run through there at times, so it shouldn't be a problem. It'll just shift things around. But Stengel hasn't got the tank to do that, I don't think. But he is a very dangerous small forward and is a great tackler, so... I I wouldn't really mind either of the three coming out for him just for rotational purposes. Um, but I couldn't really point the gun at anyone in particular. Fair enough. And another good news as well, I'm not sure if you both saw it, but Daniel Rioli put a post up on Instagram today that he's not far away. So that's coming from him directly, which is good news because I know there's been a little bit of rumour and speculation that it might be a lot worse than what everyone first thought and stuff like that. But, yeah, he's come out and said that he's not far off. So he'd be a, a welcome return, whether that be via the VFL for a few weeks or whatever that looks like. But 
the sooner we can get him back into the team fully fit, the better. It's all the chocolate milk he's been drinking. Good for the bones. <laughs> is that the trick, is it? Yeah, apparently, if you look at his Instagram, every story he posts is just chocolate bars and chocolate milk and sitting in bed with his missus. Oh, he's living so a life. <laughs> obviously, it's, obviously, it's good for healing bones. Oh, well, if that's the trick, then so be it. See, our sports scientists are onto something. <laughs> All right, before we uh, let you both go, we'll get a prediction on the game. Uh, so, Toby, I'll start with you. What's your prediction for the game this weekend? Well, considering I'm bloody terrible at tipping, um, and especially getting the, the margins, I'll, I, th- I think we have a 25-point win, and it's going to... It's just going to be one of those games where it's just like close, but close the whole game, but uh, we're always ahead kind of thing. But we can just never bring it away and they never get too close. I'd be more than happy with that. Uh, Wacko, what about yourself? I reckon the Eagles are going to come out firing and they're going to get to a bit of a lead. We're going to bring it back and then it's going to blow out to a 498-point win. (laughs) Uh, makeshift, he'll be happy with that. Um, I controversially think that West Coast are going to beat us. I think we're due for a bit of a loss there. We're going to be their grand final. I know we say it every week, but we will be. They're, they're going to want to prove a point, given they've played some lower teams as well. Um, and we've had a couple of hard hit outs, so I wouldn't be shocked if we lost. But at the same time, if we go over there switched on, we're just as likely to beat them. And the one thing that gives me a little bit of confidence is hearing, I think, Basha Hawley said that the players felt like the Kangaroos game was a loss. So they could be at to um, to get a bit of revenge as well, which is good. Um, a reminder, the game is on Sunday, 20th of May, Optus Stadium at 4.30pm Melbourne time. And I think we're live on Fox Footy from 4.30. So Wacko, Jacko and Toby, thanks heaps for coming on, guys. Really appreciate it. And cheers for having me on. Thank no, you, mate. And until next time, go Tigers. Go Tigers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers.